The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. How's it going, everybody? If I sound a little stuffy today, it's because I am. Uh, <laughs> the wife and I, we uh, redid our landscaping this weekend, and I think I might have picked up an allergen or two. But uh, we're going to power through. we got a great uh, podcast for you guys today, and we got rankings, and I'm pretty excited about it. And that's why I'm not taking a day off. We're going to keep on going. It's just all about the grind. That's just, that's just <laughs> that's where we're at. But first, we've got another trade from our guy Faza. He's in a 30-team real salary, so yet another wrinkle to throw into something we don't have experience with on top of the 30-team that we're starting to get a lot more familiar with as you guys send us a ridiculous amount of questions. He's a punt field goal build. He's got two separate cores He's got an old core that is James Harden, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Ricky Rubio, and Kevin Love. But then he's also got the young core of Jalen Brown, Lonzo Ball, Derek White, Kyra Lewis, TJ Warren. And then he's got a bunch of young guys. So he really only has the five old ones. And so he's asking, would we trade Steph Curry for Jaron Jackson Jr., Miles Turner, and number 15 in this draft? But also, because I went back at him, I was like, okay, if you move Curry, you got to move Harden too. He thinks he can move Harden for Shea Gilgis-Alexander and number 14 in this draft. So, Trav, start off with the Curry trade. What do you think? Yeah, and it, it is important to keep in mind here too that it is a salary league. Uh, we don't have the, the numbers off the top of our heads as far as what each player is valued at in terms of salary. But what we do have is he did shop Curry around and there's not very many teams that can just take on his salary. I think he's making like 86 out of the 200 budget or something like that. So it's, it's a big salary. So not a ton of suitors like there might be in a regular league. It it was, I remember it being pretty high and I would imagine that it's probably higher than JJJ and Turner combined, or at least very close to it. Yeah. So when I look at this team, this is like, my ideal build, right? We're putting, <laughs> we talk, that's it. <laughs> we're punting that field goal. You got two top five guys in that punt, James Harden, Steph Curry. You got another guy in Lonzo Ball who's great with, within that punt as well. Um, and then you got Draymond, Rubio, you know, just down the board. This is a, a competing team. So for me, it'd be extremely hard to, to just throw it in the towel and, and make a change. But – I mean, I don't know how you can pass up Jaron Jackson Jr., Miles Turner, and then just the pick thrown on top of that. I know it's 15th, but it's still worth a little bit of something. So to me, I would do this trade given the the current evaluation of Steph Curry right now and how high-priced he is. I don't see how you're going to get a better return back. And it, you have that potential with Steph for injury if he gets hurt that could even tank his value even more. So to get JJJ, get Miles Turner, doesn't fit his current build, but I think it's a great trade, and that leads into that next trade as well. But I want to hear your thoughts as well on the Steph Curry for JJJ Turner and the 15. 
So I'll push back a little bit. And I think that it does fit his build to an extent because we talked about it in our team building episode in our punting episode. And when you're punting field goal, you have to stay good at free throw percentage and JJJ and miles. They're not great. They're not high volume, 86% free throw shooters, but they're pretty good at the line for being big men. And in a 30 team league, if you have Jaron Jackson jr. And miles Turner, you're going to win blocks like just by those two. And not to mention he has Draymond green as well. So you're not only getting some okay field goal percentage between the two, some pretty good big man free throw percentage. JJJ, I think, hit like two and a half threes when he was healthy, not this past year, but the one before. Miles hits a three and a half and is used incorrectly in Indiana. And then you get a number 15 pick. And he did say when he was talking about it that his rebounds are a little bit light, which it, that happens when you punt field goal. That's just like the natural next step is that that – Obviously, you're not having big men. You're not getting elite rebounds. So this will slightly help in his rebounds a little bit, make him a little bit more well-rounded in the punt field goal build. And I think it's a pretty good deal as far as getting dynasty assets back. Obviously, I think if you're going to move Curry, you would want a more elite piece back because Jaron Jackson Jr. obviously has the foul trouble and the injury history, and Miles is pretty much just blocks at this point, but could be in for an increase in role if he gets moved from Indiana or if Sabonis gets moved. But then you combine that with getting that elite piece with Harden. Harden for SGA, that's a really good deal. What do you think? If, if you're going to move Steph, I think you need to immediately follow up and move Harden and kind of just move into that that youth movement and maybe a little bit of a build change at the same time, because I, th- I think losing Steph is going to be a big hit to his build. I know you, JJJ and Turner can knock down some threes, but Steph is hitting over four a game and he gets yes. those assists. He's going to, you know, he's going to get you six assists, which Jaron Jackson and Turner are going to do. So you're losing a little bit there as well. And then you're losing a lot with Harden to SGA. Yeah. I, yeah. I That's mean, another five. Yeah, you you lose Harden's assist. You you don't have to necessarily punt assist, but that's going to be a massive blow, and then you're going to have to kind of change up. But I, I kind of like it because Curry did have a great field goal percentage this year. I don't see him shooting. I think he shot something like 48% this year. Yeah. Close to 49%. Good for him. I don't see him doing that again just because of the volume that he shoots. Look, I think Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time, but – I would put a lot of money down that he doesn't shoot 48, 49% next year. And then, and then, you know, Harden, the same thing. He, what was around 45, even, even for Harden too, his field goal percentage went up with Brooklyn, but uh, your SGA, I think his, his field goal percentage is the real deal. I think he's a high forties guy. And even still adding the way I'm looking at it, he said that he wasn't very competitive last year. He, he wasn't that good of a contending team, even with Harden and Curry in a 30 team league. So that's why I really leaned into it. Not only that, but last and especially not least Faza is a Clippers fan. So SGA is near and dear to his heart. And that matters when it comes to fantasy. So Faza, I know we talked about it earlier. You've got both our stamp of approval, go get younger, go get your guy SGA and then look forward to your, to your little youth movement. And Andy saved some money as well, I believe, right. overall. on this Take on some bad Be- contracts, get some other assets. Because you look at the whole package, Steph and Harden for JJJ, Turner, SGA, and then the couple picks. 
it, it's probably not great when you look at it that way, but you are saving money and you have to take the full view of the trade and the league settings. Absolutely. That's not the only listener submitted piece we have here, though. I had a question. He said, when you start your startup draft with a player who's best in a punt, such as Giannis, just like we talked about, is it best to draft for value the rest of the way or to slightly reach for guys above ADP that fit your build? And we kind of beat around the bush a little bit with this, talked about it indirectly, but to a certain extent, of course, you're not going to go crazy, but you absolutely reach for guys that fit your build. If you have someone like Giannis, you have to get Simmons, Fox, DeJounte Murray, Capella, Gobert. And depending on where you pick in the draft, assuming you're picking fourth and how big your league is matters a ton in this case, you have to be reaching for guys that fit your build, especially in punt field or punt free throws and threes, because those assists with good field goal percentage dry up super quick, like we talked about last time. And this is something that I actually wanted to talk about when we discussed our rankings. Our rankings, we threw guys together that we thought, you know, this is the evaluation of players. But those rankings ultimately don't mean a whole lot once you start building your team. Yes. And this is a a perfect question for that because once he drafts Giannis and goes into that free throw three-point punt, those rankings change tremendously. You're not going to value guys as high as we may have versus another guy like, like Drummond. I know Drummond's one of your boys. Oh, we, I hate that I you just said that, but you're not entirely wrong, I guess. But a guy like Drummond, who we have ranked right around 100, he's going to move up a smidge just based on that build for you. So, yes, we have our rankings. It's great to follow that. It's great to find the value where you can. But in the grand scheme of things, they don't mean a ton once you get that build going or once you decide, hey, I'm a competing team. Or, hey, I'm going to be rebuilding. And that's going to just, that's going to really jumble the rankings for you overall. The rankings are a guideline, they are not a rule book. And that goes for anybody else's rankings. And I'll tell anybody who makes rankings, I'll tell that to their faces. Like, your rankings are not the rule book, they are a guideline. They're a brief look into our minds as fantasy analysts. And there's definitely a balance when it comes to reaching versus just picking who's in front of you because it makes sense. Like if, if somehow Kyrie Irving slides to 40 something, he's not perfect in a punt threes and free throw, but you take Kyrie Irving in the forties and you're not reaching three and a half, four round depends on your league. Obviously how many teams are in it, that's going to change a ton, but you're just not going to be reaching like crazy, crazy amounts because then you're going to have a team that's just odd and you lost out on a bunch of value. But if you're new to drafting, if you're new to Dynasty, if you're doing a startup, you've never done something before and you have questions, please reach out to us because we will gladly help you along, especially if it's punt threes or free throws. That's, that's me. <laughs> I'm here for it. Yep, absolutely. And uh, with, with that being said, let's, let's kind of hop on in. We, we've kind of prefaced it in the previous podcast, but our rankings are out. And let's, uh, let's dive in, and I'm excited to get your thoughts on the rankings. I know it took us some time to put these together um, and not only getting our rankings in, but then coming together and kind of hashing out where these guys should be. And it's not a perfect system, right? We, we struggled a lot with where to put guys, how to value certain players, age versus potential versus you know upside, opportunity, lots of different things that we take into account. So there are a few guys here where really – we were really far apart on, and we're going to discuss a few of them um, here today. First things first, you can find all of this at hoop-ball.com, or you can Google fantasy basketball dynasty rankings. 
it'll pop up. I think it, I think right now when I looked, it was like the fourth one on the list or something like that. So moving on up, we, we got beat out by a couple people just because they've been around a lot longer and ours have been posted for probably hours or days by the time you're listening to this rather than weeks, months, whatever. But the first player we're going to talk about is somebody who is quite controversial in dynasty rankings and that's Kawhi Leonard. So I had Kawhi 11 spots higher than Travis did. And I had him all the way up at 17th overall. Travis had him at 28th. Trav, why'd you have him as a third round player? So my background injuries just scare me, you know, and and you, you know, I'm an athletic trainer by trade and injuries to me, somebody like Kawhi who has a, a degenerative knee issue. And then you add on top, um, we don't really know yet what this is, but I, I think it's a partial ACL tear. I think if it was a full tear, we would know. If it was nothing, I don't think it would be hidden for so long. So if it I was nothing, you would have been playing. Like it's it, it's significant enough, right? Like it, it, exactly. So I, I think there's something there. I don't know what. That's where it kind of believes leads me to believe it might be just a, a partial tear in the ACL. Which he should be back if if it is that if that is the case he should be back at the start of the year next year, but I just look at all these factors. He's thirty years old. He's had knee issues in the past. This is another one on top of that, and I think he's going to be back with the Clippers this year. And the Clippers are a team who just they don't really care about their regular season. Yeah, right. They're all about the playoffs. They will rest guys if they pick up even a minor injury, whether it's Kawhi, Paul George whoever it may be, any important piece, they're going to rest them for as long as they need to rest to make sure they are 100% come playoff time. And I think that that I have to take that into account for a guy like Kawhi moving forward for the rest of his career. That's a great point. And I think I'm pretty sure I undervalued not only his degenerative knee, but also the current injury. And so if I had to do it again, I would definitely drop him back. But his per game is just ridiculous. It's so it, it good. Is. But yeah. and, he, and even this year, he was still top 10 in totals, having missed 15 or 20, 15-something games, somewhere around, around there. So that's how good he is, is. He can miss 15 games, and he can still be top 10 in total value. It's just, it's just ridiculous. But there's a guy who's next on our list, who has missed a total of nine games across three years for one of the most durable players in fantasy basketball so far that I had 16 spots higher than you did, Travis, and that is McCall Bridges. Yeah, and I hate that I had him so much lower than you because I'm a huge McCall Bridges fan. That's not what the rankings say. I'm just I, I know, and I, have, <laughs> I really I don't have anything bad to say about him as a player, uh, both real life and in fantasy. I love his game. It's going to age really well. The reason I had him, and I probably had him ranked a little bit too low, but the reason I had him outside the top 50 is I just don't see that next level. There is something to say about consistency. He's only 24. I think he'll be 25 at the start of the year. Yep. So there's definitely something to say about having a guy that's going to be consistent top 60 player for the next eight years. But when I'm drafting a guy in his range, I want to see a little bit of upside. I want to see a little bit of potential. Just that little bit of unknown that, hey, maybe this guy can jump up into a top 30 player. 
And I don't see that from Bridges. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think his game is fantastic. But, you know, I just want to see I – want, I want the potential to be there, and I don't see that with him. That's not to say I wouldn't take him, though. Absolutely. And it's – I think it says more about the group of players that is inside that top 50 than it does about McCall Bridges – because there's just really good players up there. And I, the same can be said for when you're drafting. Players are just going to slide. There's going to be somebody who's a top 40 dynasty player who's going to slide into the 50s or top 30 into the 50s, some, somewhere along those lines. And there's going to be reasons why people are just going to look at him and not value him nearly as high. But for McCall specifically, his first two years in the league, he played an average of 29 minutes a game and he averaged 1.4 steals per game. This year, he played almost 33 minutes and he was at 1.0 steals per game. So you're looking for that ceiling that'll get him up into the top 30. He was 51 per game this year. If he bumps those steals up back to 1.4, not even factoring in the increased minutes, that's a, that's darn near top 30 player. But I do agree that it, depending on where you're drafting, it would be kind of tough for me to take McCall Bridges as my third or fourth best player. And and there's nothing wrong with him. If you have, a really good first two, three picks, and he's still there. He's a great complimentary piece. I think I've, we talked about that today in some other trade discussions that we, we had, some questions that we had. He's a fantastic complimentary piece to some of the stars that you have. Or if you're, you're taking a lot of upside guys, he's great to take because you know he's going to have a nice steady career. He's going to get playing time wherever he is, whether he's with Phoenix or signs with another team. It doesn't matter his playing style, the type of player he is, is super valued in the NBA. And and I think he's going to be top 60 for years to come. He's so steady. But I just, me personally, I just want to see, I just want that upside. I want somebody that can ascend. And I just don't see that from him. But I, I do love him as a player, and I would gladly have him on any team of mine. Speaking of ascension, one of the next two guys we're going to talk about is – one of Travis's favorite players for fantasy and someone I guarantee you he is higher on than you are. But then the other guy he's higher on than I am for some reason, even though I'm a fan of his team and that those two guys are RJ Barrett and Malcolm Brogdon. Travis, you go on for 15 minutes about Barrett. I'll just, (laughs) I'll wait for Brogdon. Yeah. Team Canada. Anybody that got to see them, see him ball out for team Canada. Lost on their home turf. What? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that was insulting to our Canadian listeners. We just lost like half our audience right there. We apologize. But hey, you got a young guy in Barrett who can lead that team for years to come. I so I have Barrett at 53, which is extremely high. I understand that. And a lot of that factored in was his substantial growth that he had from year one to year two. Not only that, everything that I read coming out of Nick's camp and, and Knicks fans out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems like the whole front office, they want to build around Barrett. Everything I see as far as them getting a point guard or any superstar, everything, every paragraph I read is like, the, such and such would be a great fit next to Barrett or next to this young core. So I, I feel like the Knicks are going to, to try and build around Barrett. He's going to be there. Now, if they get a superstar and they ship him out, I'm going to be eating my words. When the, if that well, at least happen. for his outlook on the Knicks, maybe the next <laughs> team he goes to, it'll be the same. But I feel like they're going to build around him. 
the trust is there. He's going to get minutes. We saw that last year. And if he can take another huge improvement like he did last year, man, I, I think he's going to start shooting up the ranks because he's only 21. He is only 21. And between last year and this year, he jumped up a 170 spots from the 340 range to the 165 range. His percentages got a ton better. His steals actually got worse despite playing a fibs amount of minutes and playing 35 a game. He only had 0.7 steals. So there's definitely some upside there. And I, and I agree. I'm a, I was giving you a hard time for having him that high. I had him 62nd, which is still pretty darn high for a guy who finished 166 this year in 35 minutes a game, but he's very young. He's going to have opportunity because the Knicks are giving him opportunity. He's going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to be taking a lot of shots. He's going to be handling it, getting those assists up to three a game this year, probably has five in his future sooner rather than later. But I do worry that he's, that he doesn't get the steals blocks or either percentages to make him a truly elite player. But the, the improvement he showed this year is something you can point to and most certainly think that he that arrow is going straight up. And it's interesting how close you had him with the previous man we mentioned, McCall Bridges, because they're two kind of totally different players, right? You have Barrett, who is more projection right now than he is substance. Yeah. And you have, and you have Bridges, who's just rock steady, but maybe not the upside. So. It, it, it all depends on uh, on what you think, your thoughts, and where you see these players headed and what direction you think they'll, they'll be going and whether that's up or down. Speaking of going down, Malcolm Brogdon is one of the guys, again, you had him 58th, I had him 72nd as a Pacers fan. But I say this to everybody. I'm far more critical of my own players than I, than I am of anybody else's. So that's why I'm probably lower on every single Pacers player you, can, you could find than somebody else who may be biased in a different way or unbiased. Yeah, whatever. So Brogdon at about 65, what do you think about that? Yeah, I really like Brogdon. I know every time I talk about a Pacer player, the first thing you say to me is, well, they're not going to get that many minutes. Well, the, they won't. I promise you they won't. <laughs> Nate Bjorkren did a go. number <laughs> on people for fantasy. It was a terrible season for actual Pacer success, but great season for every single player on the team for fantasy. Just career seasons across the board. And and they, I don't really have an argument back because like, you're, you're probably right. He's not going to get 35 minutes a game but he's still really consistent and he's, I, he's still the point guard on that team. I know they're going to have a Levert's going to be there to, to take some touches away from him. So that's going to hurt him, but he's still super consistent. His counting stats are going to be there. I think his free throw percentage is going to be solid. Will he score 20 points a game next year? Probably not, but he's, he's just really steady across the board. He's still only 28 and I really like him on that team. And whether you think he plays 35 minutes or not, I could easily see him touching that again because he's a player you want out there. He's, he's a tough guy to take off the court. That's very true. He's going to be – his field goal percentage has gotten worse since he's been on the Pacers, obviously, because now he's not the fourth or whatever option that he was in Milwaukee behind Giannis Middleton, Bledsoe, et cetera. 
But I feel like this upcoming year, his field goal percentage is going to bounce back because he's taking a lot of shots off the bounce, which it just going to drain your field goal percentage compared to taking all those shots at spot ups. And his free, his free throw is actually down. I say down to 87%. So not on insane volume or anything like that, but just an elite free throw shooter. And you're right. The opportunity is going to be there. He's on the Pacers. He's going to probably be at the 16, five and five with not quite a steal, zero blocks and then decent percentages with a, a three and a half. But I, I find that a lot of people are using last season as more of a baseline for where he's going to be than what I think is realistic. But there's also a chance that the Pacers have a ton of moves coming up and that could drastically change his value as well. But he's going to be 29 this year. He's just a guy like if you're contending and you've got a bunch of old guys and you just want solid across the board, you're taking Malcolm Brogdon, you're taking McCall Bridges, you're taking, you know, all the, the Tobias Harris, the CJ McCollum's of the world and just good, just good across the board. Yeah. And that's a fair point. I know the minutes is, is a really big deal getting closer to 30 than that 35, but I think you got to have him at least inside the top 70, right? Maybe <laughs> I had him at 72. I, I feel okay with it. Maybe I can move him. You're harsh. You're harsh. I am very boys. harsh on the Pacers. So, that's so, you know, uh, that's a it flaw is what it mine. is. I, that's why I have you to balance me out to actually <laughs> he is inside the top 70. Hey, and that's why we did the rankings the way we did. Rhett did his rankings privately. I did my rankings privately. We brought them together and we basically just averaged them out. So that's how we got these numbers. And that's why we're going through on who was higher, or who was lower on these players. Just like you guys have been asking about all sorts of draft content, all sorts of trade opportunities We've also been getting asked about betting tips. And today, after Giannis's information came out that he's doubtful for tomorrow night for game one of the NBA finals, they asked, are you taking the Bucs? Are you taking the Suns? Is Chris Middleton going to be the finals MVP if the Bucs win the title? I'll tell you what I tell them. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And that's why I tell people to bet with my bookie. Their rep is rock solid. They've got the best odds the best contests, the best promotions in the business. They're the only place I trust to handle my sports betting and the one sports book guaranteed to give me the best lines for the NBA playoff games. I don't give out my stamp of approval easily. To earn it, you've got to be the best at what you do. And my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code HOOPBALL, that's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. Head over to my bookie. If you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet, bet with the best, bet with my bookie. So now we're finally going to get into players that I'm higher on, completely different skill sets, completely different trajectories, and that's Gordon Hayward and Mitchell Robinson. I had Hayward 18 spots higher than you did, and I had Imrob 13 spots higher than you did, around 61 and 68 respectively and you had them up in the 80s so why why are you hating on Hayward yeah Gordon Hayward same thing as Kawhi it just seems like every year he just picks up those injuries and really reduces the amount of games played he's 31 and I just don't like guys that get hurt as often as he does 
really what think- this is, you traded for Hayward at the trade deadline <laughs> and, and he screwed you out of a championship. That's all that is. He just, he hurt me pretty bad. <laughs> when, okay. When he does play, right. He's a top 40 guy. Yes. There, no doubt. He contributes across the board. He's perfect. And in, in, in literally any build that you have, he's going to contribute for you. I just can't trust him to stay on the court. And when I'm, whether it's a startup draft or I'm looking to trade for a guy to compete, he's 31. And if he can't stay on the court for me, he does me no good. That's the issue I have with him. It's he's, he's really tough. It's hard to rank him this low because of the quality of player he is. And the fact that he does help in any build that you have, that is extremely valuable to me. I just don't like guys that are, that get hurt as often as he has had and the age it's going to start to add up for him. So that's, that's why I'm just a little bit lower on him. I like a lot of guys ahead of him that are younger with some upside. And there's different reasons why players aren't going to be on the court. And for Mitchell Robinson, for most of his career, it was foul trouble. But this past season, he actually did a whole lot better staying on the court. And he was really, really good until he got hurt and only ended up playing something like 30 games this year. But he played 28 minutes a game this year and was one of the only players in the NBA that had a steal and a block a game. Nerlens Noel, the guy who took over for him, had over a steal and over two blocks a game. We know what Mitchell Robinson is, I feel like. He's not somebody you are excited to get because he gets eight points a game, eight rebounds a game. Like I said, steal, block, great field goal percentage, terrible free throw percentage, and 0.5 assists in 30 minutes a game. So he's a very build-specific player, and that makes him very hard to rank, makes him very hard to draft or, or have in a range and my punt three free throw bias definitely came through here having him higher than you did. I don't know. I, he's not somebody he's so that tough. You, he's so tough because we talked about Miles Turner being really only positive in blocks. At least he can single-handedly win you a category. Mitchell Robinson won't really be doing that. And if his block rate had translated from his first two years in the league when he was getting like 21 minutes a game and still blocking two shots, if he had done that, he would have been contending with Miles Turner for the block lead while also getting over a steal a game. And that would have made him to be fair. If he was playing that way, he would have probably fouled out in about 25 minutes. So, right. That's, that's very true. I, I don't know if he would have made it that long into the game. Very, very true. So at least he cut down on that. So he's on the floor a lot more. He just isn't, blocking shots which makes him actually made him less valuable this year despite a six minute increase in minutes which is just funny but he's just a hard player to try and rank so I don't blame you for having him low I probably had him a little bit too high but that's something we can shake out when we do our updates and and he's a perfect guy that we mentioned earlier when we were talking about the the Giannis draft and the punts he's a guy that's going to get moved up for you so yeah like we mentioned these aren't set in stone if you have a certain punt, he's going to be a guy that's going to move way up or way down for you. So, and he's only twenty three, so he does have yep. he does have some room for growth there for sure. Speaking of room for growth, we're just doing natural transitions all the way across the way. <laughs> Your bias came through this time, just a smidge with <laughs> with your your boy Patrick Williams on the Chicago Bulls. And then also, for some reason, James Wiseman, who you had 27 spots higher than I did. Travis, what are you doing? 
the youth, the youth is tantalizing to me. But but no, in all reality, I, I am a Bulls fan. So I'm sure subconsciously there was a little bit of bias when I was doing these rankings and I saw Pat Will there. But he was really, really good. You have to think he didn't even start for Florida State. He was really raw coming into the league. Everybody thought when the Bulls drafted him as high as they did, he was going to struggle his first year. I didn't think he would do as well as he did. He showed a no. lot of promise. He got a lot of praise for his defense abilities against a lot of the guys he guarded. He guarded pretty much the other team's best player. And for a rookie who didn't play a ton in college to be thrown in there and say, hey, you're going to go out there and guard the best player tonight. And he took on that challenge, and he looked pretty good doing it. Offensively, obviously, he's he's way behind. But he showed a lot of improvements as the year got on. And he – I told you this before – but he's a player, I think, if you're looking at year one to year two jumps, he's a guy that's near the top of my list for players that are going to make that big step from year one to year two. I was just looking at our ranking sheet, and we have age on there as well, and I thought it had to have been a typo because Patrick Williams is 19 years old. That is... And he just finished his first year. He just he just <laughs> finished. He was 18 years old last year for the majority of the NBA season. That is insane. And you mentioned that you watched the Bulls, so you might have bias. Or it could go the other direction, where you saw a lot of Patrick Williams flashes. I am also very high on Patrick Williams as a real-life player, but then also eventually as a fantasy player, because he plays the most important position in the entire league that every team wants. And that's why he went at four. And it didn't seem like that much of a reach because the wing class last year, the actual true wings, the small forward power forwards, not the shooting guard, small forwards was very scarce, but I just worry about if he will get the usage and the opportunity to have the ball handling, to be creating shots that he'll need to really develop. Like you're talking about next to Zach Levine Vooch and then maybe even Lonzo Ball or whatever point guard they bring in in free agency. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. He does need to develop some sort of ball handling, creating as most of our top wings that you see can do. But even if he isn't able to do that, I still think he's going to be a very good NBA player, a 3 and D type guy. I think his shot is going to get better. He will start to extend that range. I think that's something we're going to see a lot in year two is him be able to step back and shoot the three ball a little bit better than what he did this year. Like I said, he, he he's just 19 years old. He'll be 20 at the start of the next year. He didn't play a ton of basketball. He doesn't have a lot of basketball under his belt. So he's a player. He works hard. He's, he's going to improve tremendously. And I, I can't wait to see him in year two. I'm excited for him as well. I hope the Bulls really prioritize his development while they struggle to get the eighth seed. But and you don't you don't have to worry about a first round pick taking any playing time. So that, very true. Yes, he will be uh, his competition will be playing down in Orlando. But another player we talked about it a little bit earlier who did not play a whole lot of basketball in the last couple of years is James Wiseman because he played four games at Memphis and then he played like six games at Golden State before they benched him and then he got hurt the rest of the year. So why are you so high at him at twenty seven spots higher than I am? I tried not to let what I saw this year or really the way Kerr runs his team bias me into where Wiseman, I want to, to rank Wiseman. 
And what I saw from Wiseman when he was in there was some flashes of a player that can be very, very good. Yeah. If, if he's brought along slowly and if he's put in the right system. I mean, for a guy that didn't play a ton of minutes, he was still almost at a block, over 50%. And the thing that, that I saw from him a lot was his jump shot actually looked pretty serviceable. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I know, I know he wasn't good from the free throw line, so that may not portray as him being able to be a good shooter. But the, the few games that I watched of him, he was really confident in, in taking that 15-foot jump shot. And we know he's the physical side of things. He's got all the tools you could ask for. So I try not to let his limited playing time and some of the things that you heard out of Warriors camp, I try not to let that bias me into where I want Wiseman to be ranked because he's a guy that still holds tremendous upside. And he was uh, either first or second in most rookie drafts last year. So I'm not going to give up on him. I don't want to drop him too, too far down the rankings because he didn't get a ton of opportunity yet. I agree. That mostly makes sense. And there's a chance that he's not even playing on Golden State this year, so he might get plenty of opportunity, and then he's going to be shooting way up these rankings, I feel like. You had him inside the top 75. I had him inside the top 100. Somewhere in between there is where he's going to go. But the last group of players we're going to talk about, I have no freaking clue where they're going to (laughs) go. And that is Laurie Markkinen, Pokucheski, Alexi Pokucheski, Poku, and then Marvin Bagley. We were 20 spots or more different on all three of these players. You were higher on all of them than I was. You had them inside your top 100 while I did not. I'll go first. Laurie has a top 50 season under his belt. That happened. That was the anomaly, but also the Bulls haven't exactly made him a priority and he hasn't been used very well in the last couple of years because the Bulls haven't been great for him. And he might go somewhere else. So that he could shoot way up, and I'm sure you would agree with that. But the other two guys, I Poku and Bagley, I don't really have anything to say about them. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely higher on Bagley than probably pretty much anybody I know. He's only 22. He feels like he's been in the he league is. for... Like I feel like we've years. been we've been talking down about him for four years now. It, exactly, it feels like he's like a just a veteran now who gets hurt every year. He's still twenty two, but he does hurt get hurt every year. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I did leave him inside the top one hundred. I can understand passing on him that high. There's a lot of guys around that range that are one going to be really more a lot more useful in a win now, or two have a lot more upside than what Bagley has shown. But I really like his game. I think he's I think he's a double double machine if if he can get twenty five minutes. It looks like Holmes could be moving on. So Bagley's best position, in my opinion, was when he was playing that five in Sacramento. So if he can carve out a little bit more minutes in Sacramento by staying healthy, I do really like his game there. And and even if he runs his course in Sacktown, I think he can move somewhere else and still be useful off the bench as a score rebounder type. The stocks are disappointing, but I, I do like his double-double potential, his high field goal percentage. And he's still only 22, and he's he still has a little bit of raw ability left in him. That I can understand. And once you get to a certain point in the draft, especially if you have a build where you're taking a couple more projects early, like if you took Wiseman 
and you're coming back around and you're looking and you're on the turn and you're looking at Poku and Bagley sitting next to each other, you might just go for it because that's where you're going to get your value in the one hundreds. But Poku, the only thing I can say about him is he's either going to be a top 20 fantasy player or he's going to be out of the league in two years. And I'm not sure there's much middle ground. Okay. Yeah. I think both, both of us rank Poku a lot higher than what we even normally would because of the height, the 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 ceiling and the, well, in the trade value that he has, if like we're, neither of us are ever going to have him on one of our teams no, just because of where he's been going in most drafts that we've seen. But you have to value. You have to take that into account, right? The, a, a guy's it matters. Trade, a, a guy's trade value. You know, a guy is worth what somebody's willing to pay. And for Poku, a lot of people are really wanting him. So that influenced where I need to put him in my rankings. Just his value alone. That's true. But I still couldn't put him inside my top 100, <laughs> and that's why I'll never own him. Because, and, and I know that about myself. I'm. Especially, I think we talked about it before in the the lottery pod. OKC has so many picks that Poku legitimately could just, first off, he could just not end up being good in the NBA, but then he also could end up sharing time with somebody else and that drastically impacts his value. So Poku, he based on our average, we have it 104, which I feel is reasonable, but it's still low for most of the mock drafts we've been doing. We just, yep. we won't have him. But again, it comes down to what are your first couple picks? Like if you're super high on rookies and you're going to take Cade Cunningham in the first round of your 12 team draft, you're going to take Mobley in the second, you can take Poku in your sixth round, seventh round, anything like that. Cause you've got long time to be patient. You might as well just let it ride and, and go for the upside. Yep, exactly. And it all goes back to, I don't want to keep harping on it, but these rankings are going to drastically change based on your build and based on your, your team projection the next one to five years or whatever it is that. Or seven in the case of Poku, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We keep talking about it. Please go check out our dynasty rankings at hoopball.com, hoop-ball.com. We think they're pretty good. They've got blurbs in there. We're going to be updating them monthly at least. Definitely updating after the rookies get drafted. We'll throw the rookies into these rankings, and that'll push a bunch of guys outside the top 150. We'll also be adding another 50 players to the back end of that to catch those guys and to make room for those rookies, but still have players we think that are valuable in there. And then we're going to update it probably monthly after that. And you'll hear the podcast about it too. We also have my just right piece coming out, you know, too hot, too cold, just right. Goldilocks. We're kids. It's fine. That article is coming out. We've got a couple players on there that I think finished this season for the overall year in a manner that is the floor or the ceiling for where they're going to be moving forward based on a couple things that I talk about. So we'll talk about some players, there in our next pod and then just hoopball has tons of stuff out there so go check that out go follow everybody on twitter the nba today show with dan bespris is great he's doing team recaps he talked about the suns most recently is good stuff find me on twitter at ret underscore bauer r-h-e-t-t underscore b-a-u-e-r find travis on twitter travis underscore fuller 92 send us all your questions I know you want to make the intro to the pod. I know you want to be the first thing people hear once we get through the <laughs> intro. So send those, make them good ones. We'll, we'll break them down, get all the details, give you a shout out. 
and then you can you can tell your friends and family you made pun intended absolutely and we want to know we want to know what you think of our rankings too i mean you might be able to have a good argument and influence the where i put some guys so definitely if you have any any arguments or, or any questions on our rankings or why why we ranked the guys where we did uh, we want to know about that and uh, if you didn't see a player on here that you thought should be in the top 150 don't sweat it we'll be bumping that up to top 200 here pretty soon once we know where the rookies are and see where the free agents as always stay tuned we've got plenty more stuff coming out but most importantly thank you very much for tuning in This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.